Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. Whether you're a long-time listener or first-time, five-star reviews are lovely. And I just might read yours on the air. How about that? Um, A lot of big things happening. Uh, One of the biggest is um, I have a book coming out. It's titled That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, and it's going to be published by Bombardier Books, Post Hill Press. So that's coming out later this year to stay up on release dates and all that. Please check out my newsletter at theluperez.com, and you can also join my community at theluperez.locals.com. If you haven't been on Locals yet, uh, if you join up, you get to listen to my podcast early. You'll get to watch my sketch comedy early. And also you have access to exclusive content and me. If you're looking for other ways that you can support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. If you're into CBD products, please check out PalomaVerdeCBD.com. And if you use promo code Lou, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you're into cold brew, check out Black Organic Cold Brew www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code Lou for free shipping. All right. I think that's about it. Let's go. My name is Lou Perez. I'm very happy to be joined by my next guest. She is the editor-in-chief of the Post Millennial. Please welcome Libby Emmons. Good. I, I kind of waited there as if there was like a live audience. I was just going to start. I did uh, too. I was like, are we going to get applause? You I know. know. It, <laughs> it feels like a show. It feels like we're right. we're doing something right now. Um, right. Well, first thing I want to point out, you know, um, so we do audio, we do video. For those uh, who have audio, you have no idea what's happening on the screen. But for those with the video, you can see that both me and Libby in our backgrounds, we have books. We got that books. That means we're smart. It's right? A, yes. Or, <laughs> or we're problematic. Um, you, do, you, do you remember? Uh, I remember it was a, a couple of years ago. People were like analyzing the books on the on the bookshelves of people being interviewed, and it's like yeah. it, as if as if that says anything about somebody, you know. I mean, and I, I mean, it does. It does, though, right? Like I remember being a kid, and I would go over to people's houses. Uh, my friends' houses, not like just random people. I'd go to my friends' houses. And what I was always interested in was what records they had. Mm. Like what, I mean, what records and if I may date myself, what cassettes they had, right? Uh Because we had a lot of cassettes and interested in what books they had. So, you know, I think we still, I think it still says something about you. Well, the ones behind me. So uh, I, I moved into this house and um, I'm very lucky to be able to have a home office, although it took me like six or seven months to actually set it up. So now I have like bookcases and they're really they're super cheap bookcases. So I'm kind of amazed nice. that, they're, that they're still standing. So behind right. me are two bookcases filled with books that I haven't read. Right. Okay. So don't judge me by these books because I haven't read them yet. But then over here, I got, these are all the books that Ooh, I have read. All that, those so, shiny books with broken spines and everything. Very yeah, exciting. yeah. And notes. Yeah. Like I, nice. I'm, a, I'm a big note taker in books. So I'll, I'll look back and at, at a book and be like, oh, I just put exclamation points in the margin. Like no, you know, no, nothing mm-hmm. more. I guess, it, you know, it popped out to me. 
I wonder if there's a point. I, I, would, I would do things like where I would like circle a page number, right? Mm. And then I would go back through and see that I had circled page numbers. And I don't know what the hell, I like, why did I circle this page number? I couldn't just bracket something. What's the problem? Why? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, why? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a point where you, you can no longer say that you read a book because you don't remember anything in the book. Because that's what like these shelves are. They, they're full of books that I don't remember reading. So I might right. as well, it's like, I might as well have not read them or am I lying if somebody asked me, oh, did you read no, this book? No, you still definitely read the book. It's mm -hmm. just that the book did not retain any sort of permanent attention span. But also it likely, and you know, if it was a book that you enjoyed, it likely influenced other things. So you are still the person who has read that book. Got it, got it. Mm -hmm. Are you, do you get to read? Dude. I Oops. have not been doing a lot of reading lately. I tend to do uh, reading when I like a lot of the books that I read, I sort of have to read. You know? mm -hmm. Like I recently read a whole bunch of Jim Jordan's new book because I did an interview with Jim Jordan, the, uh, the congressman. Oh, the congressman. The congressman. The wrestler, yeah. wrestling guy. Yeah, he was a wrestling guy. I think he's actually a pretty good congressman. Um, I think he's an interesting fella. Anyway, I read a bunch of his book prior to interviewing him um, in part about his book. And I was also interested in talking to him about, uh, you know, how he was kicked off the January 6th committee, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, so I tend to read a lot more books like that. Um, lately, I'm reading the biography of John Adams, though, with my son. How'd you get that interview? You snagged that the interview John with John Adams? <laughs> the John Adams? Yeah, I know. I had to go back in time. I had to get into my... <laughs> my time machine. Um, I had to break a whole bunch of rules, prime directive, things like that, <laughs> head back in time. Um, but the John Adams book has been, that's been really fun. My son was interested in the revolution and I thought this is a good way to mm -hmm. get involved in that through like the eyes of one guy. Um, we also like, we saw Hamilton and we liked that. So I thought, you know, here's another guy. He was in, he was briefly mentioned in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's been fun. But I used to read, uh, I used to write plays and okay. I would spend so much of my time writing plays and less time reading. And then in the summer, I would kind of consume as many books as I could. And so I started doing this thing where I'd get like obsessed with one author or even, you know, for a while I would do a thing where I was like reading all the books from authors in a certain country. Oh, okay. So yeah, so that was fun. Like one summer I read all of E.M. Forrester uh, so I don't know one E.M. Forrester from another, but I'm very familiar with E.M. Forrester. Like I could pick it out, you know, that's obviously E.M. Forrester. Um, Willa Cather, I did that. I just sort of like read all of Willa Cather shortly wait, after. Wait, did, uh, did she write Paul's case, Willa Cather? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's one that I recently picked up in a little slim volume I haven't read. It's, so it, it's, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, spoil anything for you, but, uh, it's an amazing short story. It's, it's okay. really, it's great. I actually, when I was, uh, when I was going for my MFA, uh, one of our assignments, uh, in, uh, one of my workshops was to write either a parody or an homage. Uh, so I ended so I ended up writing a story, an homage to Willa Cather's, uh, Paul's case. And my story was called Paul's ghost. Um, oh, and nice. yeah. And th there was a, there's a, a short, I think like PBS movie version with um, uh, Eric Roberts where he plays, mm -hmm. he plays Paul. 
Uh, it's a great, it's a great short story. I, I, I don't get to geek out on literature every uh, so often, so it's it's cool it's too. It's not, uh, so. yeah, me neither. If I end up yeah. doing all this politics, what was your MFA? I have an MFA also. Uh, creative writing. So. Oh no way! Mine was playwriting. So all right, where'd you go? Similar. Where'd you go for your uh, MFA? Columbia. Oh boy, I did not, I did <laughs> not get into Columbia. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. I actually god. got into Columbia because I was taking a writing workshop downtown at this little theater company with this um with this professor Eduardo Machado who's this amazing writer and a really terrific guy. Um and he was like, "Well, you know, he's standing outside smoking these little cigarillos that he did. Um he's Cuban and he was like, "So, Libby, what are you going to do now?" And I was like, "I don't I don't know. Which mm -hmm. I do know." He goes, you come study with me at Columbia. And I was like, okay, well, we'll do that. That sounds good. <laughs> so yeah. So I got a bunch of like money and fellowships and stuff and he hooked it all up. And that's that's what I did. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get in anywhere else. I have to say like Whoa. both of my degrees, I didn't get in both the degrees that the schools I went to, I literally did not get in any place else. No safety schools. No, no, I just, I tried. I just didn't mm -hmm. get in. Like I didn't get into Brooklyn college. I didn't get into NYU. Um, I didn't get into UMass. Yeah. Where else did I not get into? I didn't, I got waitlisted at Hampshire for college. And I was just like, this is insulting. Hampshire <laughs> waitlisted. <laughs> so, when, yeah. when I, when I said, thank God I didn't get into Columbia, it's because um, I would not have been, you know, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten any like fellowships or money like that. So I would have, basically like graduated, you know, with an MFA and a shit ton of debt, you know, whereas yeah. I went to, I went to city college, which was, oh, nice. um, which is much cheaper. I don't know. Is city college more uptown than Columbia or down? Uh, or It's more uptown than Columbia. It is. It is. Mm, yeah. Columbia is on 116. Right. Yeah. We were up in, um, was it 147? Like on oh, nice. okay. 137th and convent Avenue or something like that. Okay. I forget, yeah. but I, I had a great time. I, 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 uh, I did three years because I was going, I guess, like semi semi part time, um, and um, I don't know what you, what your experience was like because uh, I, I I was studying uh, fiction, and the amount of work that you put into a short story, right? Like you could be writing this short story, working on it for months and months and months, and then you send it out to all of these uh, literary journals, and you wait months and months and months to find out whether or not it's been accepted or not. And yeah. then a lot of, and then a lot of them, uh, a lot of literary journals, they ask you like, don't send this out to everybody. Right. And then you've just put us. the story on hold. You can't yeah. do anything with it. Cause you sent it to like, you know, the Ohio journal or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, and yeah, then, <laughs> and yeah. And so then you, you know, so you're waiting to, you know, to get in most of the time you don't get in. But if you do happen to get into a literary journal, it's like, yeah, this is amazing. And they'll pay you like 25 bucks. Yeah. And if you know, like if they pay money, you're lucky if they pay you 25 yeah. bucks. They normally pay you in copies of the journal. And then you look at the circulation and you're like, oh, they have a circulation of like a thousand. And you're like, okay, now out of that thousand, how many people are even gonna read my story? You know? So I, I yeah. was sort of I was not I was I was navigating that world while at the same time um performing comedy and then uh at the time when uh me and my my comedy partner greg uh our our channel greg and lou on youtube 
was getting like millions and millions of views. So it was sort of like these two worlds of, oh, I'm going to be like yeah. either an esoteric literary fiction writer while at the same time being, uh, you know, I guess a, a, you know, a more popular, you know, online comedian. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting thing because it shows how the art forms, the entertainment art forms are really changing. Uh, you know, who sits down to read short stories anymore? I love reading. I love short stories, but mostly I read old collections. You know, mm -hmm. most of my books are, most of my books are 20th century books. I, I don't even have that many 21st century books. And the ones I do, as I said, they're like contemporary political, blah, 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 you know. Um, yeah, so I think that's really a change. I, when I was doing theater, it was very similar. You'd send out a play. You'd send out a full-length play. You know, you'd hope that somebody no. was going to do a reading of it in like some theater in Las Vegas, and maybe they would, and maybe they would send you a hundred bucks, um, and maybe they wouldn't, and maybe you know. Sometimes what really would kill me is they would reject the the, the project, they would reject the play, and send me back a bunch of notes. And a couple of times I replied with, if I make these changes, are you going to produce the play? Right. Because if so, like, sure, let's talk about it. You know, let's get in the room. I'll see if I can make the changes and you'll produce the play. But no, it wouldn't be like make these changes and we'll produce the play. It would be like make these changes to make it conform to what we think is a good play. And we right. still aren't going to do your play. And it's like, that's totally, totally pointless. But yeah, it would be like send a play. And even if they do the play, they send you maybe 50 bucks, you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, that's, that's great. Like, and they'd say things like, are you going to fly out? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally <laughs> going to spend $600 to come out there. I'm going to find some friend that I've, you know, that I haven't talked to in five years and crash on their couch to come see this play. You just gave me 50 bucks for, I'm not even invited to rehearsals. Like, what are we doing? Right. Why, why is this a thing? Um, but I did have some really great experiences in theater. Nice. Uh, and I, you know, I loved, I loved making, I loved making theater, but now it's interesting too, cause it's like, I'll, I'll have an idea for an article and, you know, maybe I'll talk to the other editors at Post Millennial about it and say, what do you think of this? Usually though, I just write it. And then I say, guys, let's workshop this headline and somebody edit it and publish it. So it's like from idea to publication, a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and yeah. getting, and getting that immediate audience response too, whether, you know, mm -hmm. you, you've tweeted it out or people, you know, come to the, uh, come to the actual, uh, actual site. And yeah, there, there, there's, um, I, I guess, you know, something that, that I got, that I got over very quickly is sort of the ego that goes into being a litter, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a right? fiction That's writer. A big part of it. That's a big part it's of like, it. It's like, what an, like, what an ego <laughs> yeah. when you don't even have yeah. anyone reading your shit. Like no yeah. one's interested in your shit. And, and like, you know, the amount of times that, that there would be readings either on campus and you'd go and you're like this, uh, okay, we have this writer, he's reading 40 pages and he sucks. Oh like God, he can't even fucking read. Like what <laughs> is going on forever. here? You're forever. just sitting there like, how, how is this not an open bar? Like this needs to be an open yeah. bar and yeah. everything needs to be a hundred times shorter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and I one think thing it, I still struggle with is like, I want, you know, I want articles to be shorter and punchier. Mm -hmm. um, and something like I'll come in with like 900 words, and it's like, ah, oh, can you get this down? And 900 <laughs> is still nothing. It's like no right. words at all. Yeah. 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 And I'm just thinking like, uh, my, my wife and I, we have, uh, we have our, our two young ones. They're two, two under two. Um, and 
I'm trying to think like the amount of time I, like I'm always reading online, you know, uh, and part of me wishes that I, like if I, part of me wishes I was the kind of weirdo who would like print out everything I read online and then put it on shelves. So people know that I'm constantly reading, uh, but I don't have, you know, but I have hardly any time to just you know, tweet it. And then everyone yeah, yeah. will know. Yeah, just exactly. Tweet. I just read this. I, just, I read this. Take notes. This is not an endorsement. This is simply to to add to the numbers Just that I've been putting out. That I have read this. Right. Um, but you know, when it when it comes to uh, you know precious time that you want to fill with reading stuff. Um, you know, they're just that the reality is like there are just so many books out there that I'm ne- I don't have the enough of a life to to read. And what's what I find funny is when we're you know getting into like you know. I guess well, culture wars where people are sort of uh, saying, Hey, you remove all these great pieces of literature that have been read for hundreds of years, knock that shit off your shelf. Don't read that, but read this author who just happens to be a part of a, you know, uh, uh, a minority group. Let's ins- you need to insert that person onto your bookshelf and onto your, your to read list. And it's like, ah, man, you you guys can't guilt me into reading your shit. Like that's no, not going to happen, especially man. Especially because, especially because, like almost anything that comes out of a graduate program, you, you know, it sucks. Like it sucks. Right. It's it's long and it's self indulgent and it's very obsessed with the author themselves, and it's really just not that interesting. I've been thinking about it recently because I think Shakespeare is, uh, you know, soon to be in the dust heap, other than references and mm. films that are too dark and the lighting is bad and no one can really understand what they're saying. Um, pretty sure that that's, you know, on the way. And I was thinking about how many other authors disappear over time um, and how many authors just are very popular in the time that they're writing and then they're just relegated to the dust heap and gone. And I think that it's interesting that in this time period, and I wonder if this has previously happened or if this is unique to us, now we have this social justice component to what you should be reading. What were some of the previous rules? You know, I wonder what those were. People tried to trash Oscar Wilde in his time and to get rid of him. And all it took was, what, like 100 years or more. When was Oscar Wilde writing? I don't even remember. Um, but he had so many great plays, right? His Salome is, is unbelievable. Is that him, Salome? Am is I it Salome? The right thing? I don't know. About, what am I thinking of? All I know with Oscar Wilde is uh, uh, it's not it's Salome. Dor- Dorian, Dorian Gray. That's all. Dorian Gray is great. Oh, uh, uh, be, um, Algernon, being, er- the being Algernon earnest, one. being earnest. Yeah, being earnest. What is the Salome uh, I'm thinking of? And and not not to be not to be confused mm, with the uh, I'm comedy series. I'm clearly not series. reading enough anymore. Yeah, <laughs> the comedy series Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> Ernest totally scared different. stupid. Not that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Ernest and Ernst. Yeah. Um, yeah with, I think I'm actually thinking of Aub- Aubrey Beardsley drawings that may have been in a book. Uh, no, it's Salome. I'm pretty sure it's on my shelf right there. Right Next now, there's, some, there's somebody listening to this and you were angering and them like, so much. Right? I'm pissing them off. Like, I actually stole the book from my high school library and my mother was infuriated because it has original drawings from Aubrey, Aubrey Beardsley in it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Man, she what kind so of high mad. school did you go to? I went to, I went to a very I very went to a very nice private school of course. <laughs> I'm Here, that we, person. we we wipe our ass with Beardsley. Yeah. 
it flows no, it like original. toilet paper. It was like, you know, there just weren't that many printings of yeah. it. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore, but I'm yeah. pretty sure Oscar Wilde, Salome, and I have this book and I like it. I like the book. Well, you know, even with, <laughs> even with Shakespeare, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, the amount of remakes that are constantly coming out and they're all Macbeth. Like the amount they're of times, the amount of times we're going to keep seeing Macbeth, and and don't yes. you know, don't get me wrong, Macbeth is great. It's a great it's a, show. It, yeah. It's fantastic. I love the witches. Um, I saw Macbeth at BAM with um, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, mm. He played he played Macbeth. He was fantastic. Jean Luc Picard. I've always yeah. wanted to see Jean Luc Picard yeah. play Shakespeare. He he was great. Yeah. He was he he uh, he looked exactly like Jean Luc Picard. Um, of course. Exactly like him. They didn't. They didn't make any effort. He was still wearing the Star Trek uniform. Um, <laughs> I but, would believe that he had the communicator just in case he needed a call for line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So they. You know. Let's see. They. I, I saw that version of Macbeth. I think there's a new version uh, of Macbeth that's coming out. So even when it comes to Shakespeare, there is. Yeah. it's like other. It, it's like his other works are sort of still you know, are kind of being forgotten about. And like the main one, Hamlet, uh, Romeo and Juliet, these are the ones mm -hmm. that are going to, um, you know, be, be the most fellow, remembered. Maybe a fellow will stick fellow. around because it's racist and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, people kind of yeah. like messing with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, oh, what, one of the, one of, oh man, one of the worst things that I'm trying to think about. I, uh, I, I knew a girl who, um, she was uh, doing stand-up comedy and she mm -hmm. would, uh, she did my show that I, I hosted out in LA. And then uh, she would always, she would be very supportive at the open mics too. And was coming, you know, like every week. Um, so, you know, you, you try to build a community and you want to, you know, you want to help people out. So she was in a production of Shakespeare. God, what was it? It's like one of the, it's, it's not one of his well-known ones, but it was a Shakespeare production. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, I'll come and, and support and uh, so my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, we, we both went and what ensued was like one of the worst fucking plays I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. It was so bad. And and we we sat like to, to, to make it to the exit, you would have to walk across the stage, you know, so Ooh, there was no. You sat on the were, wrong side of the, dude, of the like round or whatever. No, Shakespeare can be transcendent in either mm -hmm. way. It can be either transcendently amazing. Or it can be transcendently awful. It's very like it's very rare that you see like a meh Shakespeare play. It's either great or it's just abysmal. It's like, it's There's like, what no are we way doing around here? it. I was in well, well, well. So, so that one we definitely left during intermission. It was like, thank God they're doing intermission. So we 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 got the fuck out of there. I never brought it up to her. She never brought it up to me. The the actress and I think oh that's nice. Some people get yeah. mad when you leave at intermission. You know, and they just like, they'll never forgive you. I I know somebody who had this friend and actually the friend never forgave him for leaving at intermission. Wow. But it was, it, this was a play that was like four hours long. It had two intermissions. I mean, come on. They left at the second one, you know? Yeah. I, if, and, if you got a second intermission, that's like an invitation to depart. Yeah, de definitely. Um, I, I was in a, I was in a college production of King Lear. And um, that was one where I think I was kind of like doing, doing people a favor because I was in like another play with them and then they were putting this thing on and they just went about producing this thing just all wrong. For one, they did King Lear with college kids and um, 
I think it was like, it felt like it was like three and a half hours long. And rather than Probably, doing it on, yeah. rather than doing it on, on campus where you could get an audience uh, and you wouldn't have to, you know, um, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to travel. They decided to, yeah, well, let's rent out like a, like a black box theater on theater row in, in midtown Manhattan. And um, my, my dad, my, my dad and my mom came to see uh, one of the, one of the performances and um, my dad, his, his, his English is his second language. Uh, and like this poor man had to sit through three, three and a half hours of poorly <laughs> acted King Lear uh, and the only thing that he remembered, uh, or the only thing that he brought up at the end uh, when I talked to him, is there was this one actor. He was a boy, um, but he had like one tit, and it, this wasn't like a costume thing. He was like just anatomically, he, he was a he was a boy with a breast, and Weird. and he and it, he was wearing like a loincloth because that was kind of the um, uh, we did it as a period piece, uh, and rather than put the loincloth so it covered his tit it covered his his normal peck and mm-hmm. that just I, I guess that's what my dad was looking at and thinking about for three and a half hours while <laughs> while we were you know while we were speaking this you know shakespearean english uh, that he has he has no fucking clue what we're saying. i i remember going to see a play with a friend of mine in it and he was naked the whole time and you know we were friends we weren't that kind of friends mm-hmm. you know we definitely weren't that kind of friends and after and i just i couldn't i couldn't i kind of couldn't handle how many naked people there were in the play i'm probably just not that sophisticated to handle that many naked people in the play like i couldn't I'm not great at strip clubs and i definitely wasn't great at this play and afterwards like i just couldn't we were going for drinks and i was like i can't all i can see is you naked now like that's all right. i got you know, there was a whole lot of flopping around. It was just, it was too much, just too much. But you talk about these midtown theaters. Uh, also, the other problem was <laughs> these are the theaters that have like just a ton of black drapery. And mm-hmm. it's like the drapery has never been cleaned. You yeah. don't want to brush up against it. You don't know what's in there. There's fleas, there's bed bugs, there's something you yeah. don't want on you or on your costume. These dressing rooms are horrible. There's, and there's nobody a lot of- wants to go to these theaters. Dead dreams. Of, like there's so many dead, dead dreams. dreams. A like, lot yeah. of them. Yeah. I think I have some, I'm sure that I have left some dead dreams in theaters like that myself. You brush up against the curtain, suddenly you're filthy. No <laughs> one can remember anything, right? No one can right. remember their lines. The lights never come on properly. It's hard to get audiences in those spaces. They're three floors up, then it's a yeah. walk up. So you got to like get people to come up. You know, you tell them they can't drink in the theater. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's the only thing I want to do in this space. I want to, I'm performing and I want to drink. I want to be drunk performing. Yeah. I mean, the downtown theaters are bad. I love the downtown theaters. But those midtown theaters, those midtown theaters really, I just, you you could almost do a film about them, except they're so downtrodden and sad, those spaces. With the theater festivals where you pay $25 to get them to read your five-minute play, and then they put it on, but, like, you have to put it on. And so right. someone from Peoria comes in with their whole production cast, and they think that it's going to be their big break, and nobody comes, and it's terrible. My I've, God. I, man, you, the you're nightmare bringing, of the Midtown Theater space. You're bringing back just so so many memories of me being <laughs> me, me being me being guilted into going to like a one woman show, and I'm like, oh, my oh, sweet God. Mary, 
Do you ever see the one where the lady marries herself? Do you ever see this one? No. So, oh my God, right? One woman show, of course. This woman, late 30s, you know, hasn't had a date in five years. And so she's decided that she's going to marry her. She's going to be a partner to herself. And it's very empowering and also just really horribly sad. You know, if you're going to marry yourself, that's a ceremony you shouldn't invite people to. It should be private. And then you should go on a cruise or something, you know, it would, like you know, a singles would make, cruise. Yeah. You know what would make it sadder? It would make it sadder if she was naked the whole time. Oh, like, no. Right like, now. yeah. You know, and it's just, this is me. This is who I am. I accept. Uh, you know, I, you, you made me think about when you, when you were describing like the naked actor and all that. Um, I can handle nudity. Um, but it depends on the angle. Like if, if they're rolling around and I'm seeing like taint, it's like, no, I, no, like that's just, there's just nothing attractive about that whatsoever. And your view, your viewers may not know, but this is something that happens. Yeah. This definitely happens. And there'll be dirt because it's earthy and it's, you know, yeah. natural. And, uh, there, you know, the worst part too, about the naked plays is when you see the bottom of somebody's feet. And they're just they're just blackened from the filth on the floor. Mm -hmm. Horror, just horror. I have stage managed shows like this because I used to do everything in theater. Right, I was like an indie theater artist. That you know, I could hang your light grid right now if you really needed me to. <laughs> and you know, like these this stuff was just atrocious. There'd be nails in the floor. Oh, terrible, terrible. Yeah. Did you ever um? Did you ever see Sleep No More? Did you ever go to see um? Go to that production. No, I never, I never went to that. That was as I was on the tail end, of, on my way out of theater. But interestingly, I mean, I've been to experimental theater projects similar to that. That one was like a big commercial experimental theater project yeah. where you like walk through the space. But this theater company in New York called Woodshed Theater Company. I don't know if they're still doing stuff, um, but they were sort of like the intellectual, sophisticated version of Sleep No More if you can even imagine mm. something more like more than that. Um, but I loved their stuff. They did something like that on a boat downtown on this big barge. They had this uh, abandoned mansion uptown that had that. And you could just like wander around as the show was happening. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I wrote um, a big paper about a theater performance like that. And then every time, like then finally when those things started happening, I was like, fuck man. I totally, excuse my language. No, I totally, don't go for it. I wrote this show. Like I wrote these shows, except mine had a whole bunch of modern art in it, whatever. It was even more dorky <laughs> than what I had eventually thought. But you were saying Sleep No More yeah, is well, an interesting concept. Yeah, so Sleep No More, when I think, it, so Sleep No More came out when you were sort of getting out of that scene. Sleep No More came out when I was getting out of my my previous relationship. So Ooh. I, uh, to tell you, you know, you know, you look, I look back and I'm like, did I like sleep no more? And it's like, yeah, you did, Lou, because you went three times. You you went to this immersive theatrical production three times. The first time you went with your uh, with your uh, buddy uh, named Dan. Uh, the second time you went with your then girlfriend, who you would later break up with, or you would break up with one another. And then the third time you went solo to explore yeah. you know to explore the and then i spent new year's eve there by myself at, <laughs> i didn't i didn't do the show but there was like an after party so yeah I you should I have done no like more. one man show when you married yourself at the sleep no more at the sleep no more yeah 
did you get stoned when you went to these things? Because I at least when I because I went no. to the woodshed shows a bunch of times because I really I I like those kids and I thought they were doing good stuff. But I, you know, usually the second time I would get stoned for. Yeah, um, I'll tell you the worst show that I ever uh, that I ever did that not did I that I went to. Um, it was a show called Gats, G A T Z, oh. where it was where they they read live and, per, and performed the great Gatsby. So it was like, I think I heard about this. It was like an yeah, eight or nine I, hour show. I think it was in, I think it was in Princeton where, where it was, uh, fucking don't do it. It just, just <laughs> awful. I actually, I, I had tickets to this thing and I was so excited about it that I, I had actually booked a gig, but it fell on the same day. And I told the gig, I'm like, I can't do it because I have tickets to this to this production how stupid <laughs> that's of me. insane so that's stupid crazy. Well, yeah I, I was also gig. i was getting I out usually, of my relationship so yeah i tend to cancel anything for a gig you know oh god i, should, I mean I but now should. like now i like my gigs way better because there'll be something like hey do you want to come to phoenix for a couple of days and do something and i'm like yeah what are we doing sign yeah. me up i'm on the plane let's yeah. go you know yeah, let's yeah they're not gonna they're it's not gonna more fun you. getting to go do stuff yeah, they're not going to tell you, hey, uh, hey, Libby, uh, we're going to read uh, The Great Gatsby Out Loud. It's going to take about eight to nine hours, and um, <laughs> you're going to fall asleep about halfway through, and you sleep and you kind of snore, and the fucking actors on stage are going are gonna <laughs> to stare at you until they wake you up. I actually think I was woken up Did that by, by, the, by the actor staring at me. Um, wow. And then, for, and then, fortunately, there was a, another like old, old guy, like an elderly dude, just rose over who was also just fucking passed out, sleeping, embarrassing his wife. But yeah, and it was like, uh, look, I know, I know, it's uh, it's been a while, but there was absolutely there was nothing that they did on stage that necessarily made sense for the that had anything to do with the story. It was like, oh, let's get a cast of people working in their shitty jobs and in an office or, and then we're just going to start reading this out loud. And then at some point the book goes away. So they've all memorized the book, which is interesting. Like, you know, Ooh, that, that's a great that's feat. Tough. It's yeah, tough, but, but I don't have to watch but, it. You know? And who knows why it's necessary. There's always this point in a theater show that sucks where you can feel that you're going to fall asleep. Like you can just, you can feel it. And there's nothing you can do. Like your eyes are definitely closing. There's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter if you dig your fingernails into your thigh. It doesn't matter if you bite the inside of your mouth. You just, and I've tried all, I've tried all the things, right? Cause I went yeah. to so many bad shows. There's more bad shows than good shows. And when there's a good show, it's, it's worth having gone. It's almost worth having gone to all the bad shows. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost, 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 uh, not quite. But when you have that feeling that you're going to fall asleep, uh, a few years ago, I took my friend to Peter Brooks was in town. He had done this whole thing and she was like, oh, I love Peter Brooks. It was awful. I mean, the man is old. There was nothing innovative. It was horrible. Um, it, a lot of talking about toilet paper. That's mostly all I remember. But uh, <laughs> you have to fall. You have to let yourself fall asleep and just hope. Keep in your brain as you're falling asleep don't be asleep for too long. And if mm. you can get like sort of five minutes of just with your eyes closed, you can make it through the rest of the show. This yeah. is what I've, this is what I've learned. Sleep there's such no an interesting, more. Right, <laughs> the, there's an interesting thing though, which is that this form of entertainment theater has been with us since 
kind of the beginning of time, right? I mean, people mm -hmm. telling stories about the hunt around a fire, like this is theater, you know, uh, drawing pictures on cave walls and telling a story, that's theatrical, that's what theater is. Just going back forever, the Greeks, everybody, all the cultures have performative storytelling art forms. And now what theater is, uh, it's definitely like second to, you know, third, fourth, fifth to TV, films, mm -hmm. um, TikTok, YouTube, anything else that's going on. Theater is not as interesting as those forms. And instead of trying to become something new, instead of embracing a new idea or trying to create theater that does whatever the thing is that only theater can do, you know what right. I mean? Um, Theater has taken on this idea that it's going to be an archaic art form only for the super intellectuals, only for the extra coastal sophisticates. So when you go to these shows, first what you're doing is congratulating yourself for having gone to the theater at all. You know, that's <laughs> you what you're yeah, doing. You spell it instead of E-R, it's R-E. Right. You got to right. do the R-E. And so you congratulate yourself for going and then you have to like it because you just spent all this time doing this other than watching YouTube, which is what you'd rather be doing, mm -hmm. right? Or can I say rumble is the new thing, but whatever. You have to, you have Free to speech, say- man. Like it, right, come on. You have to say, well, YouTube just uh, pulled that Rogan episode off. What'd you think of that? Oh, See which- that? Uh, You pulled the, the Joe Rogan, Dr. Robert Malone. That's no longer on YouTube. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, you I think I'm- thought that was I'm, interesting. I I definitely wish YouTube wouldn't pull uh, stuff down. Mm -hmm. I I, didn't, I haven't watched the episode, so I don't know what uh, you know what was said uh, necessarily. But you know, I, I think I, I tweeted this the other day. I, I said, you know, I have never taken COVID health advice from Joe Rogan. I said, but I have taken it from a lot of you know mainstream media pundits and their scientists who proved to be selling me a lot of bullshit and stuff that doesn't work. Yes. So it's like. What totally punishment true. what punishment do we have for those fuckers, you know? Or like the one where Joe Biden said that if you take the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Right. Where's his where's his misinformation label smacked on that stuff? You know, or like any of it. The 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 flip-flopping, the back and forth, it makes it really either they want us to be so confused that we just do what they say, or they don't realize that they're going to make themselves sound so confusing and ineffectual that we're just going to say no to everything that they recommend anyway, mm -hmm. which I mean, arguably, I've been at that point for some time. Uh, I was probably going to get there sooner than a lot of other people, not as soon as some of my other friends, but yeah, there yeah. it is. Yeah, well, it, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, so much of it has seems to have been theater, if you will. Uh, theater, you know, it theater. Was the theater for the sophisticated intellectuals. Theater uh, for the coastal elites to wear their masks <laughs> and eat their ice cream. Wear your and cloth tell us mask. That we're all racists. <laughs> right. That's what it's all about. Where, You're racist uh, for not wearing a mask. That's yeah. racist. Oh man. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to just tell you about so my my wife is a is a dancer. She's uh, you know a trained uh, trained dancer, and she took me once to a uh, dance performance that I know she she regrets. She so regrets doing this to herself. Um, it was like I, it's this uh, this dance company from Japan, and they're amazing. 
that that's like how you, how I guess she sold it to me. They're 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 amazing. they're amazing, and a lot of them are very old guys. So they're doing like these very slow, methodical dance moves that are that are. I I, I don't doubt that they're that they're amazing, um, but we're at <laughs> we're at BAM. And it's this so dark. Like the Peter Brooks thing I went to. It might, it might be. Yeah. We're, at, we're at BAM. It's so Different dark. Part. The chair that I'm in is so comfortable. It's so warm there. And I shit you not, the Bam, music. It's hot at BAM. It's so hot. hot. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. almost like like uh, embryonic. You know, I feel like I'm it's you know, like back a in the womb. It's like a hot yoga except yeah. to sit there in your chair. Yeah. And then, and I, and I shit you not, the music for like the whole thing is just like. This, oh. like, am I? And then I just snoozed. I snoozed. And my wife is so upset with me that she wasted a ticket to see these, uh, these like legends of dance when she could have brought any of her girlfriends who, you know, would actually appreciate this. Um, but that, you know, hey, that um, I'm, I'm not, at least on that point, I'm not as sophisticated, you know, to be able to appreciate uh, guys moving their bodies really slowly uh, while I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a fucking Turkish bathhouse. You know, I'm going to sleep with incredibly hypnotic music. Mm, oh my you God. Man. They make these lullaby situations and then they get annoyed when you fall asleep. Do something <laughs> to keep me awake. People do something to keep me awake, please. You know, stand on your head, jump around, scream, anything, throw keep something me at somehow. me, anything you want, smash a watermelon, care. let the pieces <laughs> hit me in the face. <laughs> at um, least the naked people keep you awake. Cause you're like, wait, what? Yeah, What's going what on there? Me? Yeah, or or like, oh, that person has way that too guy, much confidence. Way too yeah. much confidence for that body. Mm-mm. Oh, oh, I've I've turned. I respect such, that. I gotta yeah. say, I respect that confidence in a body that shouldn't be. I think that's hot. You know, I I have I turned like into my and my my wife has has brought me to a lot of really incredible uh, dance performances, and I and I appreciate that too. But I am such a I am such a diva when it comes to what I want to see on stage and who I want to see on stage, mm-hmm. and I want to see gorgeous bodies. Like I get real. I used I, to yeah. I I, I, I got in. in in college, I had like a, a group of, of gay friends who were the kind that they were like, the, they were the worst people because anybody who walks by, they were judging and like would have things to say about them. It was really bad. So that's what I turned into. I turned into like the really like bitchy gay guy who's like, you have how fucking dare you get in front of me looking like that? And 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 oh, that's you know, horrible. Yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. I'm an awful. I'm an awful person. Yeah. When it yeah. No, but I, I respect people that walk with confidence, however they're however they're shaped. I appreciate that. <laughs> but you know, you don't have to be on stage to do it. I will say I used to know this director, Michael Leland, who has since passed, and I used to work with him in Philadelphia. Terrific director, um, really interesting guy. And he would, you know, we were talking about people on stage and he goes, Libby, I, I don't want to see any ugly people on stage. <laughs> And I was like, well, you could cast this person, that person. He's like, no, no, I want the pretty people on the stage and the ugly people not on the stage. And he wasn't, he wasn't great looking himself, but I kind of respected that. I was like, that makes sense. If I'm going to be looking at people, they may as well be good to look at yeah. in some way or, you know, some way or another. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. I hear you. It totally makes sense. And I think, I think a lot of people feel that way too. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to see my, uh, you know, to see my uncle on stage. No, no, this really. isn't the big Lebowski. We're not doing yeah. that. <laughs> We're not yeah. doing that. Um, 
Well, can you can you tell us a little bit uh, about um, the post millennial? Like, how did that start, and yeah. what, do, what do you guys do? And so, actually, it's interesting because um, I've been at the post millennial. I started writing for them in something like just three about three years ago. Okay. Um, I met a bunch of the guys from post millennial at this party uh, that Quillette threw in Toronto in 2019. I had sort of I had this sort of like cancel experience. And I, uh, I had a shitty job because I was a theater artist. I had also lost my shitty job. Um, so I had no career. I had no job. I basically had no friends because when you do theater, like those are all your friends. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not, you know, and then like I wasn't doing theater anymore. And so like they weren't my friends anymore either. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this Quillette party. It's not really about the post-millennial. That's really just about me. But whatever. I went to Toronto. I met a bunch of these guys from post-millennial started writing for them, started doing a lot more writing for Quillette. Uh, and they had started, I guess, 2018. Um, the idea was to be a more free speech oriented center right uh, news outlet in Canada. It's a Canadian outlet. As I started coming on and doing a lot more work, we started veering to do a lot more American news. I came on as a senior editor, I guess, like two weeks before the pandemic started, basically, like March 1st. I remember I signed my contract while I was at CPAC, um, which was really exciting. I was like, yay, I have a job now. Uh, and then I came on as editor in chief, I guess this past April. So I would say we're a center right um, news outlet. We cover Canadian news, we cover American news. We do a lot of culture wars, which mm -hmm. is my first personal favorite to do. And as we've grown um, and we have this great staff, we have terrific editors, Roberto Wakerel Cruz, our Canadian editor, Mia Cuthel is our American news editor. Um, I'm the EIC and we have some really terrific writers as well. So yeah, so that's what we do. But it's interesting. Oh, and Andy Nell is with us as well. Yeah, He's our I ha I've had Andy, uh, Andy uh, was on an episode, earlier episode of my podcast yeah. uh, a little while yeah. back. Yeah, he's terrific. Um, so you know, we source stories and we run what we think readers want to see. We've been targeted a lot recently by Antifa and different activists who want to essentially remove conservative outlets from the internet. So they've been coming at us pretty hard, attacking our ad revenue, um, attacking people that advertise with us, doing like public shame campaigns hmm. to say like, oh, you advertise with the post-millennial, uh, you know, we're going to get everyone to hate you if you don't stop advertising with them. And so what do they do? You know, the advertisers, they don't care. They're just like, oh, well, if, if we're going to not make money doing this, we're not going to do it anymore. So we right. had some stuff like that happen. That was a big struggle for us this fall. Um, if you like the Post Millennial, you can go to, I think it's postmillennial.com slash donate. You can subscribe. You can read our stories. You can share them around. Yeah, uh, you know, what? I, I think yeah. the, the, the thing that, that I guess, you know, um, anti, you know, Antifa or the anti-fascists leave out is that uh, when they when they eventually stop, you know, advertisers from working with you, the next step is to stop advertising altogether. You know, so that's it's, exactly right. You know, because uh, that that's part of the system, man. You know, they yeah. I mean, people don't realize that that is actually what's going on. They're not just they're trying to attack conservative platforms by targeting the advertisers, and once they're done 
attacking all the conservative platforms, they're just going to attack the advertisers themselves and say, you shouldn't be advertising at all. The way that you're using ad tech is actually damaging to blah, 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 blah. As though we can't have new technologies and new revenue sources and new ways of doing business, which obviously is where we are now, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so much of what we do is just online is changing the nature of commerce altogether. Well, how does it's it going to happen? Yeah. How does it work uh, for you guys? Because the post-millennial is, is based in Canada. And mm -hmm. obviously we know that, I mean, there is no free speech in Canada. Like, uh, that's correct. You know, so, uh, are, are you guys like under, uh, you know, under the rubric, uh, you know, under, uh, Canadian laws when it comes to what yeah. you're writing or yeah. So what is, yeah. what is that like so, navigating? So there's really only a couple of areas where we, where we run into trouble in terms of Canadian law. Um, I would actually say there's really only one very specific area where we run into trouble with Canadian law. And it's whenever we discuss transgender okay. individuals or transgender activism or transgender ideology. We have to be very careful because the law in Canada is that you have to use a person's preferred gender stuff, right? So if I was sitting here and I said I was a man and you referred to me as she, like that would be totally illegal under Canadian law. Um, even if I just changed it right now and said, actually, Lou, I am Liberace instead of Libby and I'm a man <laughs> and you have to call me he um, and you kept calling me she, I could, I, I'm pretty sure I could like sue you under Canadian law for that. So we're very careful with uh, that kind of terminology. It even leads to situations where, um, and this has been true in the UK as well, where a woman who is um, testifying against a rapist in court, if that rapist is transgender, or as I would say in Canada, a biological male who identifies as transgender and uses female pronouns, that's what I would say instead of man. Not very, um, not yeah, not brevity. No not brevity right there. Brev no, no brevity, no brevity. Um, you're you're hitting your 900 words yeah, a lot, a lot right? quicker. Just, just there, just in <laughs> the in the trans thing. Um, but that woman would have to refer to that man as she if that man said. So what was fascinating with postmillennial was there was this guy, um, which I can say because we're in the U.S. There was this yep. guy. Uh, Jessica Yanov, who um, identified as transgender and went after a bunch of women who were immigrants performing, who like did waxing and beauty treatments in their homes. And so he says to them, um, uh, you're transphobic and, you know, against everything if you don't wax my female testicles. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a whole, that was wild, like reading those articles was wild like jessica yanov took her case to the human rights tribunal alleging that beauticians refused to wax her testicles that was the language that we had to use now in one respect that's totally insane right because it's a lie it's just it's obviously a lie she's not a she if she has testicles because testicles are part of what you know, make you a man back to the big Lebowski, you know, like that and a pair of testicles, you know, mm -hmm. so that's what makes you a man. Um, but yeah, reading the articles that were written in order to comply with Canadian law almost just made the lie that more 
transparent. Yeah. Um, so I've actually started to, to a certain extent, I find those limitations to be really fascinating what you can do with them to expose the fact that you are being made to lie is interesting. I mean, is it better? No, free speech is obviously better, but in a sort of like Tolstoyan censorship type of sense, it is intellectually interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I- that's the main area that we suffer from. Also in Quebec, they have like a 10 p.m. curfew still. I think it's about to be lifted finally. Is this for um, uh, for women COVID. with testicles? Oh, okay. I thought it was no, women with COVID. testicles totally need to be separate. in need to be no. indoors at 10 p.m. No, no, that was can't just have you can't have you ball uh, ball carrying ladies out at night. But there's some other interesting stuff with regard to the whole trans thing in Canada, which is so they have changed their uh, because if you say you're a woman, you are one, even if you have the aforementioned testicles. What happens is if you are a woman with testicles who commits a crime, that crime mm-hmm. is categorized and classed as a crime committed by a woman. So there are rapes being committed with penises by women. There are, you know, penist women who end up in women's prisons. And then there are women who become pregnant after they have been, you know, raped by women with penises in women's prisons. And this is skewing data. Like this is skewing crime statistics and data. Um, And now, of course, we're having that in the U.S. In California, you have a bunch of women's prisons. I think it's almost 300 uh, biological males who identify as transgender who have requested transfer into women's prisons to the extent where uh, in women's prisons in California now, condoms are made available, even though sex is against the rules in women's prisons. A couple of women have fallen pregnant uh, in women's prisons after being allegedly you know, which I have to say allegedly, because that's journalism, right? After being like allegedly raped in these prisons by men who are claiming to be women. In a lot of cases, you know, it would be hard to imagine that you could be a dude and be in a men's prison and not be like, oh, if I just say I'm a woman, I don't have to take testosterone. I don't have to take estrogen. I don't have to suppress my testosterone. I don't have to cut my dick off. I don't have to do anything. I just say I feel like I'm a girl and then I get to go into the ladies prison. I would do that. Right. I mean, if I were a bad guy, I would like just add that to the list of bad guy things that I was doing. Right. Like now I'm going to do this. Women's maximum security prisons are way less secure than men's maximum security prisons. Um, There's a, there's a lot, it's a lot more of a calm environment in a women's prison than it is in a men's prison. I think, um, so the requests, I think, have been almost 300, and I think there's been almost 50 transfers wow. of men into women's prisons happening in Washington State, happens in Illinois. Uh, the Biden administration has said that they think this should be happening at all federal prisons. Tom Cotton this week introduced a bill to prohibit men from being housed in women's prisons. This has to, it's not, it's probably not going to pass, you know, I wonder if it's even going to get a hearing. Because gender identity has now been conflated with biological sex. And they're rewriting that essentially with all of the new legislation. They're rewriting that into the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Yeah, I remember. Where, where it doesn't belong at all. And the Supreme Court recently did that with what's her name? The funeral home man who dressed like a woman and wanted to be a woman and got fired for it. 
I yeah, I, I don't, case yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not familiar with that case, but I, I remember, you know, not even that, that long ago, maybe, you know, five, six years ago, uh, when, when we would have these uh, conversations about this subject, it was very clear. It was like, no, no, hold on a second. There's sex and there's gender. Okay. There's right. biological sex and then there's gender. And then, you know, pretty soon then they just, they just start all blending together. Um, and, um, a recent, uh, well, recently I remember I, I've read a number of, uh, number of pieces basically uh, trying to shame lesbians for That's not right. sleeping with penis women. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, and I hear that and I'm like, that is such a dude move. Just try, right. you know, I say like, Oh, come on. What are you a fucking bigot? Right. You don't want right. to suck my, you don't want to suck my female <laughs> dick. What are you a bigot? You know, I'm sorry. It's girl. It's girl dick. You don't want to suck my girl dick? Yeah, that's the term. That's the phrase. Yeah. There have been reports from lesbians in the UK who say that they go on to like lesbian dating apps. And it's all these guys like wearing little outfits going like, oh, don't you want it? You know, it's like this weird fetish thing. And this is not to say that um, this kind of gender, like that actual gender dysphoria doesn't exist. It does. There's obviously people, and this has been true I think throughout history, there's been people who choose to live as the opposite sex. There were eunuchs, you know, there's like, this happens periodically, but certainly not with the same kind of social force and Mm -hmm. legislative activity that we have now. And the truth is that nobody wants to talk about is uh, people who like men who chose to dress and live as women who would go into women's bathrooms to use the facilities 20 years ago, right? Women didn't say anything about that. Everyone was, you know, like, oh, you're this person, you're gonna do your thing, right? Go ahead, like that's your thing to do. But that's not what's going on here, right? This is like a whole ideological push to remake society uh, in the image of basically, you know, a transhumanist idea where human beings are no longer male and female but are, you know, intentionally evolved. I am so happy. I'm so happy you brought up uh, transhumanism because I had this written down. You see transhumanism right there because I wanted. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Because I I remember a few years ago, a few years ago, you wrote uh, in the Federalist, I believe, about transhumanism and your um, and your beef with it. And I, I used to I used to have a joke where I was like, like, oh man, transhumanists are gross. Like, oh, you want to, <laughs> you want to become a robot? Ew. And it's like, it's like, no, tra- transgender people are cool. Transhumanists get the, ugh, you know. It's um, really all part of the same thing. And I actually, the first piece I wrote on transhumanism was in Quillette, and it led oh, directly okay. to the end. Yeah, it led directly to the end of my theater career. So who knew? Who knew that would happen? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 yeah, compu- the, uh, you know, the theater scene in the uh, singularity mm-hmm. is going to be fantastic. You know, everyone's going to yeah. be going going to theater. Right. Um, <laughs> but basically, people said that I was saying that transgender people are just weird robot people, and of course, I wasn't saying that at all. What I was saying was that uh, transgender ideology, along with a couple of other. Uh, things that are making waves in Western culture, including Elon Musk's Neuralink, you know, like AI human integration, including concepts of body hacking, these kinds of things. These are um, 
these are basically ideas that answer the Cartesian question of the mind-body split and say like, yes, human beings can be just their minds. Human beings can be just their bodies. The two things don't have anything to do with one another. And I think that that's totally bogus. Human beings are a mind-body combination that cannot really be disrupted and still be human. Um, but if you look at the foundations of transhumanism, you have like Martine Rothblatt, who is a transgender person, who's one of the richest, um, very wealthy, I don't know one of the richest what, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. but very wealthy technology entrepreneur person um, who's been pushing a lot of this stuff. And I think that the concern is that we let go of our humanity um, before we even really know what it is, but and without valuing that which makes us human, perhaps that's something that human beings want to do, right? Maybe we want to be um, into so integrated with our technology that you can't tell the difference between a human being and the tech that um, that they use to, you know, do whatever it is in their lives, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe we want our phones to just be like our hands and not actually phones. Uh, it would be convenient, but would it be human? Maybe not. And I think a lot of this is in service to an idea of, um, you know, eradicating more of what it means to be a human being and separating us from, uh, in a lot of ways, our bodies and our earthly selves. That sounds kind of crazy, but uh, I think it's under there. I think it's in there. I, I uh, years back, I went, I was uh, in Los Angeles and I drove all uh, north to Piedmont, California, which is like Piedmont. It's uh, right next to Oakland. And I went there because I, I wanted to cover, uh, I wanted to write about a, um, a conference there. I think it was called Eros Evolving. And it was like a transhumanist. It was a transhumanist uh, uh, conference. So, you know, you had a lot of you know, talks about what sex would be like um, in, you know, after the singularity. And another thing I was, uh, I noticed when I was looking around the room is that a lot of the people were kind of on the older side. And I'm like, oh man, if, if the singularity does hit, none of these people are going to live to, you know, to be able to upload themselves to it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But um, uh, let's see, I have a baby crying right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but uh that, that might be, you could hear, you can hear, him. <laughs> I can hear him. Uh, that might be our time to go. Well, look, uh, okay. I just want to recap everything we talked about. We talked a lot of theater. We talked uh, trans issues, both transgender and transhumanist. And we talked about literature and um, I had fun. I hope you had fun, Libby. Yeah, this was great. Thanks, Lou. Cool. And uh, one more time where, where everyone can uh, find your stuff. I'm at the Post Millennial and on Twitter at Libby, Libby Emmons. I'm also on Getter now at Libby Emmons as well. We all are. We aren't that, we all that that's us and Joe Rogan. We're all out there on. The that's news. where the transhumanists are going. Liberty, at. liberty. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Again, please subscribe. Leave a five star review. That would be lovely. Keep your eye out for my book, my forthcoming book. That joke isn't funny anymore. And please sign up for my newsletter at theluperez.com. And if you want to support my work, join the Lou Perez community on Locals. That's theluperez.locals.com. You'll get access to 
all my stuff before anybody else, as well as exclusive content and, of course, me. Be sure to support my sponsors, Paloma Verde, CBD.com. Use promo code Lou for 25% off purchases over $75 and Black Organic Cold Brew. B-L-V-C-K-B-R-E-W.com. Promo code Lou for free shipping. Free shipping. Okay. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs>